When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Football Social Daily. Three down, two to go, and I'm not just talking about remaining games in the Premier League season, but the relegation places too, as sorry Southampton are the first side to be sucked down to the championship. Who will join Saints in the bottom three by the end of the season? Leicester will be one of them unless they can find some points from somewhere. They face Liverpool at King Power Stadium tonight and are desperate for something. At the top of the table, the treble is tantalising now for Manchester City. Arsenal dropping points yet again means the Blues are now nailed on to be Premier League champions yet again. Have Arsenal bottled it this season or are City simply too good? And we'll be having our usual Monday moan off the back of another entertaining weekend of top flight football. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast. My name's Niall and our studio duo today, Jim Salverson and Marley Anderson. Morning to you, boys. Well, good morning, Niall. A very good morning to you, Jim. Jim, we haven't spoken to you actually since you went down to the London Stadium for yeah. the titan clash between West Ham United and what one young fan called Alphabet FC, AZ Alkmaar. <laughs> uh, how was it, mate? It was really good. Yeah. I mean, obviously better that we got the win than if we'd managed to fall to a defeat, which <laughs> yeah. looked on the cards at some point. Terrible refereeing, horrible negative football from AZ, but you can't really blame them because they just wanted to take a draw back to... Um, Wherever they're from, <laughs> Belgium, isn't oh, it? No, Dutch. Netherlands. Dutch. Yeah, Netherlands, that's right. Um, but yeah. Geography gym, strategy yeah. game. <laughs> Great, I mean, yeah. good results to take back. Just need to do the job on Thursday now, but you saw from the team that West Ham put out the weekend, that is now the priority. It's all eggs in that single basket. The first time I've been to London Stadium, for shame, and well, we've been there five years now, and it's the first time I've actually made the trip down, which is terrible of me, but it's a bloody long way from Manchester, and it's a bloody long way out of London again once you get there. It's a there. lot of money as so well. So I'm making excuses, but... I thought the atmosphere was really good. There was loads of singing and London Stadium gets criticised for this, but the whole stadium was singing, the whole stadium was booing at times, mm. but you could hear how if it went the wrong way, it would feel desolate, that yeah, place. Yeah. You can like, you could, the, the silence when it started to slip at the end of the first half was almost oppressive. I went there in 2016 for a concert. It was an ACDC gig and it was about a month before the start of the new football season mm. and it was the season that West Ham were just moving in. I remember texting my mate who's a West Ham fan saying, you are going to hate this because the way that the stands are kind of quite shallow yeah. sloped and they have not, changed you're not now, on top though. of the they, pitch they like the you were. closer compared to how when it opened so the seats are closer now but there's still a great big void behind one of the goals where mm. the Olympic torch was during yeah. the Olympics. I hate so that I at Arsenal's ground as well. Why is there such a gap behind the goals at the Emirates? 
I never understood I that. I don't know. Never understood that. Anyway, we will be talking about Arsenal shortly. We, of course, will be talking about West Ham as well. I'm sure Jim has got something to say about this weekend's result against Brentford. But we're going to kick off Monday's show, as we always do here on Football Social Daily, with a whine, a moan. It is get in the sea, our chance to get off of our chest some of the things that have annoyed us from the weekend's Premier League action. We will start with you, Marley Anderson. What is it you want to vent about today? Something that I don't really do often. Um, and it wash. is wow. I've got <laughs> I've got a new bathroom. I wash all the time. Um, it's uh, yeah. So my my wife was out at the weekend. She went to uh, Eurovision Eurovision Song Contest. Ticked off one of her box, uh, you know, things to do before you die. Thing. So I had the the um, the afternoon to myself. So I was like, so I'm going to watch Soccer Saturday, just like the old times. Um, Hang I don't... on, Soccer Saturdays on your list of things to do before you die. <laughs> Watch Soccer Saturday. No, Kelly going to Eurovision okay, is. Okay, okay. That's I think everyone is really low with that list. Everyone on this podcast knew what I was on about, except you. Then <laughs> you idiot. Yeah, so I was like, right, I'm just going to sit and watch foot, watch football, watch the scores come in, and and all the rest of it after I watched uh, the Newcastle game. And to my Just annoyance, just... Tim Sherwood appeared on my screen, and I was like, oh, for God's sake, here we go. Two hours of listening to Tim Sherwood. So they gave him the Tim Sherwood derby of Spurs against Aston Villa. And I thought, well, at least he'll be neutral. Um, and he was still... He, he might as well have been wearing a Spurs kit for the whole thing. Uh, every time they came to him, he was like, oh, Spurs, Spurs are doing this, Spurs are doing that. But everything he said was completely wrong. So for for the every time they went to him, when Villa were 1-0 up and, and then 2-0 up and then got back to 2-1, and every little bit in between, he would say the same thing over and over again. He'd be like... Villa's Villa's defense, uh, the defensive line is too high. It's only a matter of time before um, Harry Kane and and Hyungmin Son get in behind and and score. That didn't happen for ninety minutes. Villa won. The, Villa were winning the game two nil before Spurs got a goal back. But every time in between, Villa are still playing too high. They're going to get caught out here. They're going to get caught out. And it's like they didn't. They played a high line because it's Harry Kane and he drops deep and he's and he's pretty slow. You probably back Tyrone yeah. Mings to, to, to catch him in a race. Isn't that it though? It's just because Aston Villa play a kind of progressive form of football mm. that Tim Sherwood doesn't understand, which is why he's in the relevance. He's like yeah. even though he's like he's probably younger than a lot of the dinosaur club, he still doesn't get it. He's kind of very old school in his managerial yeah. style and his thoughts. Do you know what I think it goes deeper than that? It goes deeper than whether people understand it or not. I think it's one of these things that we see, particularly with pundits. Some people are just naturally really good at football and maybe don't understand how or why they do the things that they do. Because I saw Tim Sherwood play a season for us at Portsmouth. Him and Paul Merson were outstanding, but they're probably not the two pundits you'd pick for expert analysis on the TV. But yet they were gifted football players. So sometimes it doesn't always translate across to... Yeah, I, I kind of get what you mean, but I'm not. I, I think it's also a philosophy thing, isn't it? And it's like you hear some of these ex-managers just completely <clears throat> denying that the modern style of football yeah, is yeah, a yeah. thing. It's like, oh, yeah. you don't need to worry about mm. zonal marking, or you don't it's need to worry about changed. playing channels yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, lump yeah. it to the big man. Paul Scholes is another example, a genius of a football player, but sometimes he says things on the TV, and I think, were you really as good as yeah. I remember? Yeah, <laughs> because of the way that sometimes. They come across and then there's other people that, that go on to do it. Like, for instance, Jose Mourinho was not an amazing footballer, but has become an amazing football manager. I think that's probably some of it sometimes. Same as Graham that? Potter. Sometimes you can get Eddie players Howe. that are very average, but have brilliant footballing brains. And that actually takes them further on the pitch than they maybe would have gone otherwise. 
Yeah. And sometimes you get brilliant players who are just idiots and don't get it. And like you say, have so much talent, they can do stuff, but they don't really know why they're doing it or what they're doing. And they're the ones that kind of make bad decisions yeah. on the pitch quite often, but you forgive them because they have got that talent, talent to it. Yeah. So, yeah, Tim Sherwood's absolutely stupid. Can I just <laughs> say, Tim Sherwood has some brilliant quotes, though. I think he's one of those guys that just comes up with classic lines. Yeah, like, but all because he's stupid. A couple of Tim Sherwood classics for you. Get your players on who can unlock the door and sooner or later they will break the door down. <laughs> <laughs> Which I quite liked. I don't read books. I read the Daily Express and the Star. Which I think sums him up nicely. And talking about cheese, he said, I think this is a brilliant quote. How does Tim Sherwood end up talking about cheese? Well, I think this, like, he's, he's supposedly talking about cheese here, but I think this sums up his, his like, football philosophy. He says, only cheddar. I don't get involved with the rest of that foreign muck. <laughs> it's the most, bre- most Brexity cheese quote I've ever heard in my life. One of my favourites was quite recently, actually, on Soccer Saturday, where he says, it's an absolute stonewall penalty, no doubt about it. Can't believe the referee hasn't given it. And Clinton Morrison goes, yeah, the team are defending. It's a foul the other way. <laughs> he completely <laughs> forgot which way the team was, uh, was shooting. All right, so Tim Sherwood, unfortunately, is getting thrown into the sea. I've got a few this week. I mean, I could easily throw Southampton into the sea for how pathetic they've been this season. And actually, James Ward-Prowse, who's supposed to be this bastion of Southampton Football Club, the the poster boy, was very accepting of how poor they'd been mm. this season and was almost blasé about it. Maybe that's just his demeanour. I'll be honest, I don't watch a great deal of James Ward-Prowse post-match interviews. But he didn't really seem that he was that sad about it. The fact they've been relegated and maybe that's because they've been poor for so long. They've kind of come to terms with it, Mm. that group of players. And that is not what you want to see. Didn't see really that much disappointment. And some of the narrative that Southampton will be a miss in the Premier League. Will you guys miss them? I think this season they've been really poor and not offered a great deal. But I think it's unfair to say they never offer anything. What have they offered apart from they'll be remembered for being beat 9-0 twice. They won't be remembered for getting to the League Cup final where they lost to Manchester United. They won't be remembered for finishing sixth one season. The only thing that they're remembered for in a positive light is that the streets won't forget this team with Graziano Pella up front and Tadic in behind and all of that. That's that's pretty much it. I, th- I think historically, though, Southampton have been... Bottom half Premier a, League team. Yeah, but they've been a well-run football club in terms of they've actually got their scouting pretty well-organised. They bring in good players that don't cost them a fortune. Their managerial appointments, until relatively recently, have been decent as well. They've brought in good managers who have managed to do a lot with very little. Mm. So I think it is harsh to kind of go... Did that not stop with Pochettino? Because they brought in Mark Hughes. They brought in Claude Puel, who got sacked. They brought in Maurizio Pellegrino, who got sacked. Ronald Koeman... Um, I don't think did as well as maybe some but would have liked. Right. And I think post Pochettino, Hazen did, right did well, but then apart from him, all the other managers, Nathan Jones, this Ruben Sellers guy, they've all been absolutely awful. I think you lump them in with a load of other football teams that you'd say had offered a similar amount to the Premier League over reasonable recent years, who are those, probably anyone that's kind of 13th, 14th downwards, and yeah. it's historically Brighton you'd put in that mix yeah, you could probably. say, you could say put the same about in that mix you might put West Ham in there some Bournemouth people might definitely be in there Portsmouth the same my yeah. team but we won the FA Cup in that time so in terms of what we offered much more than what Southampton have offered in 11 years of being in the Premier League their legacy of their decade long stay in the Premier League is being beaten 9-0 twice 
That is their legacy. Whether they like it or not, <coughs> that is their legacy. <laughs> it is. I mean, what is Southampton's legacy then? For the for their, their eleven year stay well, in the Premier League, what have they got? Yeah, what have they got to show for it? Good. They, had, they had Van Dijk and Lallana, and I don't think I don't think in five years' time people will be talking about Southampton's decade long legacy as the fact they got beat nine or twice. Do I don't think? know what it will be because I'm not a Southampton fan, and I probably it would probably I don't know. Maybe Southampton fans can help us out and get involved on Twitter at FSD Pod and, <laughs> and fill in the blanks here. But I mean, being hammered is is not necessarily but nine a fair nil, way to view it. A record defeat and twice in three years. Same manager, same team, same players. Two different opponents. I think this is this is definitely a Portsmouth fan talking, isn't it? I just think from a neutral perspective, people will remember Southampton for being beaten 9-0 and not for anything else that they've done because they haven't done anything else. Whereas Brighton, you mentioned Brighton. Brighton are doing things now that people will remember them for. Beating Arsenal, well, stopping them winning got the back title. back-to-back promotions, to be fair, to yeah. get there. Yeah, but I'm talking is... about their Premier League legacy, Marley, for 11 years. Well, what's well, well, their the, Premier League the legacy? The Premier League legacy is probably like having, I know it's, it's, not a, it's not a very good legacy, but it's having that like streets will never forget style team. Like we said, we yeah. said about Tadic, Van Dijk, yeah. Pella, mm. uh, Lallana, Mane. Lambert, Mane. I yeah. saw one Southampton Fastest fan. Premier League hat Yeah, tried ever. to claim that. That's not... <laughs> I know, but that's that's what they'll sort of claim. And they have had moments where they've been... Oh, absolutely. They were decent. top of the league after three games, I think, a few years ago. Yeah, made those the, t-shirts that said stop, stop the, the count. count. Yeah. Wasn't there a win? Wasn't there like a... Was it, who did they beat? 7-1 as well. They, was it United, oh, you know, you're it right. Manchester United, they beat 7-1 at some point? I don't think so. No, I can't remember. Don't think so. I can't even remember that, to be fair. They want to get... They want to... Again, you can't remember it. But no, you can, you well, can remember the two 9 nils. That's because it was a guy three weeks ago. <laughs> wherever it was. Um, uh, that, they beat Everton 7-1. Okay. Well, um, that would be my assessment. And I know I am biased, obviously, in this situation. But that would be my assessment. I could easily have thrown Leeds United in the sea as well. What are they doing? What's the defender doing throwing his hand in the air? Eddie Howe had a confrontation with a fan running on the pitch. There was a lot to pick out of that game, actually. But that's what's getting in the sea for me. Over to you then, Jim. I'm going to throw Arsenal in the sea, but not Arsenal as such. I'm going to throw in the people who are saying Arsenal have bottled it on social media over the last 24 hours. Obviously, they lost at the weekend and it pretty much was the final nail in the coffin of their title aspirations. But I don't think it's fair to label them bottle jobs. This isn't Tottenham Hotspur's levels of bottling. This is kind of like maybe a team realising their frailties towards the end of the season. And if you look at it as a kind of microcosm of this year and go, well, they had this big lead over Manchester City and they just let it slip and there's a few results they maybe regret, you potentially could label it as bottling. But I think you've got to <laughs> take a step back and go, this is a team that have massively overachieved the season on what was expected of them. And I think Man City are freaks. It's like you... Can't if this had been any other team that had been chasing Arsenal, then they would have been allowed to lose those results and maybe lose a couple and draw a couple. But because Man City are relentless this season and have a robot scoring goals for them every single game and just seem to have it a hundred percent together, particularly since Christmas, I think it's it's exceptional circumstances and it's not necessarily Arsenal bottling it. It's more Manchester City doing what Manchester City does. Oh, I tell you what, we'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily because I think there's a deeper debate as to whether the Gunners have bottled the Premier League title or not. Stay with us, we'll be back after this. 
Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your Premier League podcast from the sports social team. And what a Premier League season it has been. For all the world, it looked like Arsenal were going to be Premier League champions. But after a 3-0 loss to Brighton yesterday, they have given up further ground to Manchester City, who have roared back in the title race and looks like they are now going to win a third consecutive Premier League trophy. We'll come on to the excellence of Manchester City shortly, but Jim, just before the break, was talking about how he feels Arsenal haven't bottled the Premier League season, and he gave some pretty good reasons as to why he thinks that. I want to open this up to you, Marley. What do you think? Do you think Arsenal have bottled the Premier League this season? Uh, It's a hard one, because by definition of bottle, it's giving away something that you probably should have won. So you can say yes, but I do. Th- I, th- I do feel like like what Jim said. I think um, you've still got to look at Arsenal's season and say that's been mm. a good season. Did they ever? Did they ever expect to be in a title race? No. Probably not. No, no. Everyone probably thought it was going to be Liverpool against Man City again. Liverpool signing Nunes and you know um, shipping out Mane and, and having a full season of Diaz and bringing in Gakpo in January. And, and it was kind of like it should have been them really. You could probably say they bottled it from the first minute, yeah, because uh, they were never in it. But that is not how social media and 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 media narrative works. Because you almost, I feel like in this country we are obsessed with laughing at people that lose. And fine, <laughs> you know, it's it's it is kind of nice. Like I just spent the last I was going to say that <laughs> Niall's just spent fifteen minutes spent trying whole, to convince everyone that how how craps our fans I spent the whole of Saturday so. night doing that. So it's and right. to be fair, if yeah. there's any fan base that deserves to be wound up, it is the Arsenal fan base because I think they've done it enough but themselves over the last few years. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with what you say, and you both make really good points. But don't you think that looking at the season by zooming out and taking it as a whole is just something that doesn't happen in English football? So you're right, at the start of the season, Arsenal would have snapped your hand off to finish second and be in a title race and be so effective. But they worked themselves into a position where they could have had more. And I think that the season is reflective of of the present when you're in it. Yeah, there's a recency bias. Yeah, absolutely. No one ever looks back and thinks, we'd take that at the start of the season. But when you get into a position where you have a chance to do something and you don't do it, Mm. your expectations do shift. You know, even as soon as November, December, going into the World Cup, when they were leading the way in the Premier League, as they have done most of the season, they'll they'll be disappointed, and they've certainly let it slip from a winning position. But I just think it's the term "bottling" it. It right. suggests some kind of mental or physical frailty, doesn't it? And it suggests that they've ultimately been the architects of their own demise, which I don't think is the case here. Because when you look at them in the league, mm. they've only lost five games this season. Yeah, absolutely, that's pretty impressive. They're mm. fifteen points ahead of third place Newcastle as well so in terms of being best of the rest they're well out there in front Miles I'd be interested ahead, to yeah. go back and listen to what they were saying pre-season or at the beginning of the season what was like if anyone was asking them questions about their season ambitions and whether they were going Champions League football's the aim or whether they were going we want to win the Premier League because I find it pretty unlikely that at the start of the season, they set the ambition, they set the goal of winning the Premier League. Because I, I don't believe that was even no, on the table. No, but when they got into that yeah, position... That was, that was the, the five-year plan. Um, it's like when... Who was the team? That, was it Crystal Palace who came up? like, yeah. Or was it Norwich who came up five year one plan? year into a five-year plan, wasn't it? Norwich, I think, maybe, yeah. Yeah. But Crystal Palace also have this thing with a five-year plan as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's like... They almost went too soon. The five-year so. plan is to introduce Roy Hodgson back as manager every two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's like you know, if if Arsenal had 
finished second or third in the in the four previous years mm. and then they were at a 10 point lead at the top or eight point lead and then lost it then then they bottled it because you're kind of expecting to go from second second third second and then win it because you're always in a position but Arsenal last year did mm. they finish sixth or something like that was mm. it fifth or sixth outside the Champions League for sure yeah so. Europa League um you know qualifiers got absolutely hammered on the regular really um Arteta nearly got sacked that team 18 months ago we were talking about Arteta getting sacked well yeah. the start of last season they lost their first three games going into the international break without yeah. scoring a goal so to go they had that, minus 12 goal difference they were bottom of the table mm-hmm. but I'm going to throw this out to you guys and give you the reasons as to why I think Arsenal have <laughs> bottled it and feel free to argue back on this if you want is reason one to clickbait the podcast and get more listeners no <laughs> I genuinely think Arsenal have bottled it but I didn't until full time yesterday when they lost 3-0 to Brighton okay that's what changed my mind that's what made me think you've bottled it now there is no shame in losing to a Brighton side who have been excellent under De Zerbi this season you have to hold your hands up and say the Seagulls have been fantastic to watch in the Premier League this year however I think Arsenal have bottled it but I didn't before yesterday let's go back to the 9th of April Liverpool 2, Arsenal 2. Arsenal were 2 up. They let the game slip. 16th of April, drop points against West Ham, 2-2. 21st of April, Arsenal 3, Southampton 3. They should have lost that game. They clawed back a point right at the very end. But that is drop points against the worst team in the Premier League this season comfortably. Lost 4-1. To Manchester City, all right, fair enough. We all said that that game would be a title decider, whichever way it went. But Arsenal drew the three games before that. 3-0 to Brighton yesterday after beating Newcastle and beating Chelsea to get themselves back on track. Lads, you've blown it. You've bottled it. And it's those draws. And okay, they're not defeats. Mm. But when you're in a position where you know you need to get yourself in a positive spot ahead of facing Manchester City and they didn't do that, they should have lost to Southampton. They could easily have lost that game against Liverpool, that 2-2, but for some amazing Ramsdale saves at the end. Yesterday, I'm thinking if they get a draw against Brighton, maybe it's not so bad. There's still a chance that Manchester City could come unstuck. But no, I think they've bottled it now because of the results that they've had where they really should have done better. I think they've let it slip, but I I, I like to say it's the term bottling it that suggests they've let themselves down that I don't think is necessarily appropriate in these circumstances and you 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 are exactly right and the games you highlighted mm. are where the title's been lost i'd say particularly looking purely at the results you go the west ham game and the southampton game they need the, the liverpool game scenario. they were 2-0 up at half time but if you look at just the results you go right 2-2 at anfield a draw yeah, yeah. there i that, see what that, you're that's saying fine. Yeah, yeah, you can kind yeah. of you kind of cope with that and the whole thing about like they could have lost it if Ramsdale hadn't been as good. There's a weird thing about goalkeepers. They could, like, have, won, they could have won it if Ramsdale had been better. But, it's like, but sometimes, like when a goalkeeper has a good game, it's almost like phrased as if the team's cheated. If <laughs> I go like, oh, he made saves, they shouldn't have won it without him. It's like, well, they got him and they didn't. Okay, well, what I mean is they could conceivably have lost that. And yeah. Likewise, I mean, I can't really remember the West Ham game. Maybe you'll have more memory of it than me. But the Southampton game, I vividly remember Southampton being in front with. Seconds to go. In fact, I've got it here. Erdegaard, 88th minute, and Bukayo Saka, 90th minute. Two goals in the last two minutes of the game. And Trossard get at the a point. bar after about 96 yeah. without the last kick of the game. They're very mm. nearly lost. But they did against Bournemouth, didn't they, where Reese Nelson smashed one in. Yeah. They're incredibly the unlucky in the West Ham game. They were 2 0 up after 10 minutes. and So they bottled it. And had the opportunity to score. And I think so they, they bottled some, it. 
Is that bottling? Absolutely. Losing, drawing a game? You, you're, you're in the lead. When you play better and you're, you're in just You're in the unlucky. lead in two of those three games. Well, that, that's the thing. That, this and is, you lose this a two-goal exactly lead. what it comes down to. Like, it is bottling by definition, but when you look at the wider thing... I think it's harsh to say Should they have it, ever but... been in this position? No. Would, mm. they have, would they have accepted second place and 30 points off Man City? Yeah. Like, yeah, they would. Mm. So to be a few points off them and having... You know, lost the league on game week thirty six. Mm. That's that's still huge it's for Arsenal. Yeah. They're going to get in the Champions League. They're going to attract more players. They're going to have the most important thing, which is experience and hurt of losing the mm. league. Mm. And if they're ever in this position again, they won't. They won't bottle it. They'll be a force next season. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they'll still have Man City to overcome because Look that's how, the one thing that stands in everyone's way of winning a Premier well, League title at the yeah, moment. Yeah. But they'll be Look in a better well position to do it. Look how well Saka's done since missing that penalty in the yeah. in the Euros. Like sometimes mm. you've got to go through the low things to be better in the future. Like Absolutely. Saka missed that penalty, it ripped him apart. He comes back, he gets his head down, works, and he's had two of the best seasons in of his career so far. Mm. Um, there's there's loads of, of things about it, you know. Um, I think there are arguments for and against Arsenal bottling it, but it goes back to what you said, Jim. I think we are, not intentionally, but by the way we're talking about Arsenal bottling it, somewhat disrespecting Manchester City yeah. and how good this team are against Everton after what was a pretty boring opening half an hour. Gundogan just comes up with something special mm. twice. He could be one of the most underrated players in Premier League history. Yeah, he's he's going to leave. He's I think so at the good. end of the season, and that'll but, be a huge um, loss. What for City a servant he he's been! Yeah, I think one of the impressive things about Man City this season, particularly the second half of the season, I think, has been the role the senior players have played in that team. Because I mean, undoubtedly they've got an exceptional squad and they should be doing well, whatever, because of the squad that they've built there hmm. and the level that those players play at. But the likes of Gundogan, the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, yeah. since the investigation was announced, <laughs> have absolutely yeah. stepped up. It's almost like the accusations against the way the club's run have mm. like motivated and solidified that team into kind of like stepping up into a performance. Well, because I wonder whether the, the, the players... the pace beginning of the season. I wonder whether the players feel that if they think that some of their hard work might be stripped of them, we yeah. don't know what the situation's going to be, by the way, with this investigation from the Premier League into Man City, but... If De Bruyne thinks that maybe two of his three or four or five, however many Premier League titles he has, gets taken away from him, when actually it's nothing to do with him personally and the work he's put in mm. on the pitch, you know, he, he yeah. kind of feels like he has to, to do it. But you just mentioned those two players, KDB and Gundogan. The last three goals that Manchester City have scored, if you take out the Haaland header against Everton, was De Bruyne's rocket at the Bernabeu. Mm-hmm. Special goal by a special player and Ilkay Gundogan's little flick and volley into the corner past Pickford at the weekend and his free kick. And you're talking about, well, even the Haaland header, if you want to throw that in, the last four goals that City have scored have just all been class. And this is a team who are unbelievably relentless and they are class to watch. Is this one of the best eras in Premier League history in terms of A-side? We talk about the Manchester United teams under Sir Alex Ferguson, who dominated the landscape as a manager. Pep Guardiola is now undoubtedly dominating the landscape. They're still on course for a treble. Mm. Are we talking about one of the best teams? We mentioned it a few years ago when this Man City team and Liverpool went head-to-head, but this is like a regenerated Manchester City. It's hard to argue against that point, isn't it? That they are potentially they're, the best team They're about to win their third Premier, League, Premier League title in a row. I think one of the arguments is you've got to judge them on what they've won, right? And Until they win the Champions League, you, it's difficult to make the argument that they're better 
than other Premier League teams that have done that. Okay, Manchester United winning the treble. But if they do that this season, then they're certainly they're up there, if not top of the tree. I can't I can't remember another Premier League team that had this many world class superstars in it. And again, that maybe that's the recency bias thing again, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like forgetting exactly how good the likes of Skulls and Beckham and Giggs and everyone. Giggs and Van Nistelrooy, whoever like whoever was in the past, but man to man. There is not a position in that Manchester City team where you go, they aren't one of the greatest players in that position. Yeah, if you're picking a Premier League eleven of best players to face, I don't know, a Spanish eleven from La Liga, most of the players in the team would be from Manchester City. Yeah, completely. There's world-class right across the pitch. I think it will be interesting to see what they do at the end of the season because there will be key players in that team that move on mm. and go One elsewhere. of them will be Gundogan, it sounds Gundogan. like. It doesn't sound like he's going to stick around. Bernardo would probably go. Carl mm. Walker. How good's he, he's by get, the way? He's probably not going to leave. We're talking about Kyle Walker. getting on. Could be one of the best fullbacks English football's ever produced. Yeah, and then you look at the young players that are coming through as well, like Rico Lewis. Yeah, yeah. He'll be stepping into Carl Walker's shoes at some point over the next 18 Alvarez months. Alvarez is only 22, still got a file in behind yeah. Haaland. And that's what... Scary that, stuff. That's what this Guardiola's team when he's been at City, have been so good at that kind of regeneration that seems like such a struggle for other managers and other teams. They just have this conveyor belt. They have a level mm. of forward planning that no one else seems to have in terms of, right, we know these players are going to be going off this end of the conveyor belt. Who are we bringing on at this end to kind mm. of fill the gap? It's just how these chain wins together for me, Marley. I mean, we're talking about a Man City side who have been pushed all the way, really, by Arsenal, aside from a couple of dodgy results, of we, as we've said, from Mikel Arteta's team. They're going to win three Premier League trophies in a row. That's only ever happened, I think, once before in the Premier League era, and that was done by the great Sir Alex Ferguson. So we are talking about here a manager and a team in Pep Guardiola's Manchester City who are as good as we've seen for a lot of people. Yeah, they're pretty good, aren't they? Not bad. <laughs> they they do this every year now. It's like you can set your, set your watch by it, really. You know, they uh, sort of January, February onwards, they just win pretty much every game. And that's why they get into into teams' heads. If you're ahead of them in the league, you know they're coming. You know they're not going to lose a game. And it puts so much more pressure on you. And it's so hard to do that. You know, If you think about what happens in February, March, April, it's the quarters of the Champions League and the, the semis. Um, and even the, the knockout rounds of the Champions League, everything gets more serious. You get the, the later stages of the FA Cup and the Carabao if you're in it. Um, and Man City just win win and win and win and it's just like a rollerball effect it just mm. n- doesn't stop and um, to have that is is a mark of incredible management because to keep this pl- the same players hungry yeah. for their fourth Premier League title and the fifth Premier League title and when title, they're not he just gets rid of them Yeah, he's quite mm-hmm. brutal with it Pep yeah, Guardiola yeah. yeah and he'll you know he's had to um, oversee some you know huge players leaving every year David Silva's gone company's gone Fernandinho's gone in the last three years uh, Aguero's gone, so you're talking huge, um, you know, huge changes to that uh, to that side every year, and he's he's managed to do that. Also, as well, players like Nathan Ake, who was signed from Bournemouth, I think, when they went down, I think mm. they paid forty million for him, and he didn't get a game for the first season, and now you can't imagine Manchester City's defense yeah. without him. 
Yeah, it's been yeah. amazing. You so, could see that with like Calvin Phillips last. I was going to say I last, think we'll see it with um, Phillips. Sorry, next season. Yeah, mm. I mean he's, he plays five minutes at the end of each each game now, and it's kind of like what's what's he doing there? I but, guess if you train with quality players like that every day, you've mm. got a massive chance of improving and rapidly as well. Yeah, I mean Phillips could step into Gundogan's role if Gundogan leaves. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's. Yeah. Conceivable. And Sounds I, a bit silly well, now. I but saw it's, a report that did with Ake as well. City are looking at possibly picking up Mateo Kovacic from Chelsea, who's <sighs> I think thirty. Yeah. Um, but that's the sort of thing where you think, why would you do that? But Pep Guardiola is the, yeah. the genius that he is. That you can just visualize him coming in and you being incredible, can't yeah, you? You can't second guess a guy who's won a league with Fabian Delph playing twenty nine games. <laughs> <at left back. laughs> that's what it is. Well, about, so if he if he wants a player, just say okay. Well, about Pep Guardiola then, there was a rumour a couple of years ago that he was going to leave at the end of his contract. He ended up signing a new deal, so he's here to stay for a few years longer yet, Jim. We don't know the inner workings of that deal in terms of what convinced him to stay. He still hasn't won the Champions League yet. I think the same thing about Harry Kane. What's important to Harry Kane? Is it winning trophies or being a record breaker? What is it for Pep Guardiola? Has he got his eyes on being the most successful manager in English football in history? Has he got his eyes on winning as many trophies as Sir Alex Ferguson? Has he got that element of ego to want to be the best manager we have ever seen? Mm. Or is he happy when he wins the Champions League just to go, I'll see it out to the end of my contract, lads, and then I'm done, I need a break? Well, that's a good question. I've never even considered that before. I think you'd have to, wouldn't you? If you're Pep Guardiola, you'd have to have that in the back of your head going, how far can I push this? How can I be ranked amongst the greats. I think his future at Manchester City depends on a few things. And one of those is whether he can continue to win that. He's not been in a scenario for his career where the environment has been so perfectly built for him as a manager in terms of bringing the right people in around him at every level of the football club, in terms of building an academy that perfectly feeds the style of football that he wants to play. Everything has been designed around Pep Guardiola. And that's not to say another manager can't go in there and thrive under those circumstances, but he'll be aware that if he moves somewhere else, it won't be the same scenario because there's very few football teams that can be in a position to do that. So I think that'll be a reluctance between he going somewhere else because if he goes somewhere else, he wants to be as successful. He doesn't want to move to a football club where he doesn't feel like he's going to have the same level of success. I think that's one thing to consider. The other thing to consider, I think, is we've mentioned it already, what happens with the investigation into City's finances. Because my understanding is that Pep Guardiola is mm. 100%, had had 100% faith or has 100% faith in the way Manchester City have dealt with their income and their mm. transfer spends and how they've negotiated contracts. I think yeah. he believed that was all above board and has assurances. Well, he has to, has I think. I think how can he yeah. operate in his job effectively? And I think if there was any kind of questioning of that, particularly if he felt he was being implicated, I think that relationship with City could come to quite a swift end. I don't think, depending on how that investigation goes, there would be a continuation beyond that point. But who knows? We're trying to second guess what Pep Guardiola does and trying to guess what he's thinking, but that's what I'd imagine the scenario would be. We talk about him potentially catching up with Sir Alex Ferguson. I mean, it's going to take a hell of an effort to do that. I was just looking, I think, 13 Premier League titles Sir Alex Ferguson won. One, two, three, four, five FA Cups, a load of League Cups, obviously two Champions Leagues. Pep Guardiola hasn't won a Champions League yet, but you know he could win a treble this season if they can get past Real Madrid. Just the one FA Cup for City, a chance to win a second if they beat Manchester United at Wembley in early June. 
it's remarkable to think what he could achieve. And some people understandably think that he is the best ever, but in terms of pure numbers, it's going to take a hell of an effort to catch up with Sir Alex Ferguson. Exciting times if you're a Manchester City fan, no doubt about that. Difficult times though if you're a Leicester City fan. Worried about tonight, I'm sure. Liverpool, the visitors to King Power Stadium and time is running out as Leicester's Premier League stay looks set to come to an end unless they can pick up points and they need them badly. We'll talk about it after this. Final part of today's Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the show. I'm Niall, Jim and Marley are with me and it is Leicester against Liverpool tonight at King Power Stadium. Monday night football to round off the weekend's Premier League action and Leicester City are firmly in the relegation zone. They are running out of time. After tonight's clash with Liverpool, Marley, they've got Newcastle United at St James's Park and then West Ham on the final day of the campaign at King Power Stadium. Southampton, they're already down. So that's one relegation spot taken away. Leicester will want to make sure they're not one of the other two teams that are playing championship football next season by getting a result tonight. The catch is it's against Liverpool. Yep, and Liverpool have had this uh, kind of similar mentality and and um, thing you can always rely on uh, when they come strong towards the end of the season. You know, they, they're flying for, for the top four now. They, they, they can smell it almost. Um, the door opened at the weekend again with... With Newcastle not winning, they're four points off. They need they need the win, and that makes it harder for Leicester. Um, you know, Leicester were help were uh, hurt by Leeds losing, uh, sorry, gaining a point at Newcastle at the weekend. Everton didn't pull themselves away. Forest did slightly, so it looks like three from four um, with um, with Everton Leeds Leicester vying to be that one who stays out of the um, the relegation zone, but. I don't know with Leicester, it's, they should not be down there with the players they've got and the the things they've done in recent years, um, winning the Premier League, winning the FA Cup, winning the Community Shield. They basically completed English domestic football. They've done the clean sweep of it, and now just to add the cherry on the cake, they're getting bloody relegated by the looks of things. But to hold Liverpool, it'd be one of those results where if you see it coming, if if it happens, sorry, you could probably say like that's the Premier League all over. You never th- know what's going to happen because it's a team that's flying going to a team that's scrapping for their lives away from home um, and if Leicester gets something it's it's absolutely massive um, and they need it more than Liverpool need the points in terms of the, the sort of wider scheme of things Liverpool obviously need Champions League and stuff but Liverpool in the Europa League isn't the end of the world Leicester in the Championship is serious problems because they've got some huge earners um, the finances are already quite tight at the club, um, and all the rest of it. So you know mm. all the other logistical issues you've got with selling players and preparing for life in the championship. It's not yeah. not ideal. So hopefully Leicester can get something because I, I don't want to see them go down. I don't think they've they've deserved any any sort of um, relegation. Here's how the bottom of the table looks: Southampton are going to finish bottom, twenty four points, of which six of those came against Leicester City who are only one place above them 30 points that means they're three points from safety with a win tonight they can get Everton back into the bottom three yeah I think that tells a story in itself doesn't it I mean yeah they just haven't been good enough Leicester City and I disagree with Marley saying that they've got the players they don't deserve to be down there because I think if you look at the squad they actually do kind of deserve to be down there they've not got they've let they've let too many good players leave without replacing them with 
equal quality. And with the exception of James Madison, I don't know, think there's anyone who's, in that squad. Who's left? Well, I think Mares, Schmeichel. Schmeichel was shit. But he was the end of his. He was a liability. But I, I know he's a big character. And he's a leader, isn't he? And I think you kind of need that. James James Vardy's got old. That might be Marley, but surely um, he's better than Ward. Fafana. True. Yeah, Fafana was. Fafana, yeah. I think didn't they didn't want to sell him. They didn't want to sell to be Fafana, fair, he, but Chelsea were offering mad money for him. He let them down as well by by throwing his toys out of the pram and and saying, well, "Oh, they, I they wanna... didn't reinvest the money, did they? He refused no. to play. They sound they well, they sound sound farce at the end. Farce. There we go again. Vote, vote fast. But he's he's not good enough. They, they did sign Suter as well. But I don't really think when you look at the squad, the you go, they are significantly better than any Mad- other teams in that relegation Madison's battle. The and they proved it this if, season. If you look at the, those bottom four or five teams, who's the best player in all of them? It's Madison by a margin. You got one, player, and then you could probably say Barnes, and then you could say Tielemans. As Madison, well. Tielemans, and Barnes are their They're three the best, best players. players. Yeah, hundred percent. But I Tielemans has not been turning up this season has he or last he wa- he's wanted out for a while now and it wasn't that long ago that he was being linked with a move to Arsenal I don't think Arsenal would even take a sniff at him now I think he walks into Man United team for free in the summer easy sitting alongside Casemiro he's sorted but uh, will, will that happen because his performances this season as you say haven't been mm. incredible but he has been you know he scored the winner in the FA Cup final with a 30 yard pile driver that was typical Tielemans at, the, mm. at that time he used to do it most weeks really so can you see Leicester staying up though even with not this with the games idea no. but with the games they've got you say that you know at home to Liverpool away to Newcastle yeah home got, to home to Liverpool who are going to want to try and chase down Newcastle and Manchester United hmm. away at Newcastle United who are really good at St James's Park and will probably need a win to get into the Champions League or at least avoid defeat to yeah. almost secure the Champions League and then West Ham that final day, by which point it might be too late, Jim, because I, you might have a European them, final. Beating, West Ham, I see them beating West Ham, but yeah, they West might Ham be gone will be by that point. Too late. I think yeah. that's their. I think that's a great opportunity for three points actually for them against West Ham. If you yeah, look but at it might the team, be too late by then. You look at the team that David Moyes put out at the weekend against Brentford. I think it was seven changes from what you'd class as our first team inverted commas and deservedly got the loss to Brentford that the team they put out. Deserve none of the players stepped up and tried to prove themselves. It didn't look; it was a really lacklustre performance. And I think if West Ham gets that European final, we'll see a similar thing potentially against Leeds, potentially against Leicester. So there is a chance of three points there. But like you say, it could easily be done and dusted by then because it's the Fulham game for Leicester, isn't it? Last weekend, Bank Holiday Monday, when they conceded five goals at Craven Cottage. Yeah, that's the the game they would have looked at in they're that in a situ- final four they would have looked at that Fulham game and the West Ham game and gone those are the two and now they're in a situation where it's not in their hands in any way because they just need like if Everton get another win that's probably well I think done. it is it is in their hands because they've got a game in hand on Everton Leeds who are above them so if they win tonight unlikely I know but if they win against Liverpool that takes them to 36 games and 33 points then it is in their hands because that pulls them out of the relegation zone and drops Everton back into the bottom three. Mm. So basically it is in their hands, but it's against Liverpool. What's the record for a team that has won the Premier League and been relegated in the shortest period of time? It's got to be Blackburn, hasn't it? I can't imagine anyone else has been relegated after winning There's the Premier League. There's not that many teams that won the Premier League. I think they're the only that. ones, aren't they? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it would be remarkable. I mean, Marley's already said, you know, the, the things that Leicester have achieved. But 
it's just hard to see them getting out of it because they've lost 21 games. Aside from Southampton, that's two more than any other side in the rest of the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, all right. I <laughs> can't, can't lie with that. Uh, can't argue with that, sorry. But yeah, it's. Um, I do hope they stay up. I, I, I don't want to see them go because cause the, cause their success is so recent as well. I feel like... You know, I don't think they've been that badly mismanaged either. I don't think they've done anything crazy. They haven't, you know, the, the owners haven't got bored and stopped pumping money in. They, I know they've 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 stopped putting money in, but that's because of a, a worldwide mm. pandemic that mm. stopped the planes flying and yeah. you know that's put des- a massive decimated the ownership. That yeah, there, there's some teams you look at in the Premier League at the moment that are in trouble, and you go, actually, do you know what? Going down to the championship for a couple of seasons isn't going to do you any harm at all. It's an opportunity to kind of strip out, rebuild, come back. And I think Leeds are probably one of those. You go, actually, they might benefit from a little bit of time in the championship. Leicester don't feel like one of those teams. Totally it feels agree. like it could be Southampton a real punch in the guts. To- yeah. Southampton totally will lose Ward Prowse, come up with everyone else. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying about Leicester there, Jim. Absolutely. Well, Everton are another one. If Everton tonight. go down, I think they're a real trouble because they've got some big yeah. contracts of players they won't be able to get they've rid got of. they stadium got coming. stadium to pay for, all mm. that stuff. I but think. they've got also got Sean Dyche, who has experience. <laughs> yeah. Yay! <laughs> on on, on what, how much money? it will be on a lot. Well, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. But anyway, from a Leicester perspective, it is Liverpool tonight. And we should touch upon them quickly uh, before we finish today's Football Social Daily. If they win against Leicester City tonight, they will have played a game more than both Newcastle and Manchester United. But they'll be a point behind. And so the pressure begins in that fight for top four, both Manchester and Newcastle United are, you know, level on points at this point, Jim, after Newcastle's draw and Manchester United's win over Wolves. They keep ebbing and flowing and swapping third and fourth between themselves. Goal difference separates them at the moment. But Liverpool will just hope that one of them slip yeah. up. Because they're so level, all Liverpool need is just one of them to slip up and they've got a chance. They've got a sniff of the top four. I think it was pre-Christmas where Jurgen Klopp said Liverpool aren't in contention for a Champions League place. And mm. we kind of all agreed and said, yeah, yeah you've they actually weren't. completely done it this season. So credit to them in terms of the form they've had since then. And they're not the Liverpool that we're used to seeing in terms of kind of those swashbuckling attacking displays. But most Salahs find a bit of form and they've just seemed to have found a way to win and get a few results here and there. And it's, it's kind of one nils or two ones and it's kind of like... It's not the total dominance that maybe Liverpool fans will be used to, but they'll have no complaints because they found form at the right time. I think it, I think a Champions League place is too much of a stretch at the moment. I think Manchester United and Newcastle have got enough to kind of hang on to those places and they don't need too many more points to make it a guarantee. But I think Liverpool even getting into the position they're in now is a massive turnaround from where they were at the beginning of the season. Are Leicester going to win tonight? No. No. <laughs> no, but I'm no longer thinking about it. No, because I, I don't want to totally write them off because it would be just typical Premier League for them to get something, but I can't logically say that. I hope they do because obviously I want Liverpool to drop points and Newcastle to get in the Champions League. But The atmosphere will be good at King Power Stadium tonight, but Leicester have to score first. If Liverpool score first, curtains for me. Yeah. I can't see how they come back. Yeah, the heads will go yeah. and that'll be it. Deflation, the whole stadium. And understandably so with how poor Leicester have been this season. Well, we are just two games away from the conclusion of the Premier League season. We still don't know entirely what will happen. We can kind of guess, 
But you don't ever know, as Marley says in the Premier League, and that's why it's so exciting. And that is also why you should hit subscribe, because you'll have all the big news, opinions and talking points right here for you on Football Social Daily, chatting with fans and others about exactly how they feel the rest of the season will unfold. But from Marley, Jim and myself on FSD, that is it. And we'll catch you again tomorrow. See you then. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.